Well, I don't know what you're feeling this Christmas, but maybe you're feeling a little bit like uh, rejected, a little alone, a little left out, a little like, just like this, my own unique person, uh, just kind of different, a little out there sometimes. And let me tell you, I can relate. I can relate. Ever since I can remember some of my earliest memories, I I was in middle school and like I wouldn't be out on the yard playing like recess with my peers. I'd be sitting with my teachers talking to them about the sports that happened the day before. I even made friends with the, with the janitor, which was cool. Um, but that's a little weird, right? A little strange, a little unique. Um, uh, but recently, recently I was driving with my family and we were coming here to get some frozen yogurt. You know, that frozen yogurt place right over here? And uh, we were having a great time. But I, I, we were coming up and I noticed they installed a new security camera on the side of Pizzeria Luca overlooking the area between Miller's and Pizzeria Luca. And my wife looked at me and said, only you would recognize that. Anybody else recognize that? They installed that about a month ago. It's been there for a while now. Yeah, only, like, I'm weird. It's strange to see strange things, to see unique things. It's just that it just is me. Um, or how about today, as the preacher who's in charge of the Christmas Eve message, I just had, everybody, come on, make some noise, a little baby boy. Oh, yeah, I have two girls and a baby boy who is three weeks old. (laughs) And you would expect a normal pastor in Christmas Eve service to use a three-week-old baby boy as a sermon illustration. But God gave this unique, strange pastor a message not about necessarily a baby boy, but about a message about a pregnant woman. (laughs) I know. (laughs) It's weird. It's so weird. And you know what? My wife, Alicia, is sitting back there. She is so glad that she's not pregnant anymore. Come on, women. You know what I'm talking about, right? Like, get that thing out of me. I know. I know. I know. It's unique and strange. But you are unique and strange, too. You're unique, and there's, there's something custom, something personal for you too. And you know, you don't know my whole story, and I don't know your whole story either, but you know, Popcorn with the Pastor coming up is a great place to talk about that. We really do want to share more about your story, about what God's doing in your life, about what's happening here. And uh, I get to tell you, because I have a microphone, a little bit about me, because you don't know that much about me. Um, I grew up in Wilmington, Delaware, and uh, I, when I was in high school, one of the biggest things God did in my life to grow my faith was I, as a Christian, I dated a girl who was a Mormon, and God just used that relationship to challenge me of what did I really believe? Because she talked about Jesus, she went to church, she read the Bible, she did all those things, but there was just something different, and I needed to know what was different. I studied and studied and studied like crazy. And God just so happened to put me in this, uh, this computer science class. Now, my dad is an incredible computer guy. He's always been. And I thought that I would go to computer science class and be great at it. No. And, and one of the reasons that I wasn't great at it is because I, I played this game on the computer. Come on, I'm not that old but I'm old enough to remember when I didn't have a computer in my pocket 24-7, you know? 
And so when I got in front of this computer and I had access to the internet, it was like, man, I, I found this game called the Hobo Game. This, it was weird. It was the worst game ever. It's still the worst game ever. Don't ever play it. Don't even look it up. It's terrible. It's not even a game. It's just text. It's text. And you click the text and you collect stuff. It's just terrible. I told you I'm strange, unique. It was right. That's what I did. But then I also used some of that time or a lot of that time to study as much as I could about the differences between Mormonism and Christianity. I read all of the Christian apologetic websites. I read them all. And this is before websites look good, if you know what I mean. This was just text on a screen, and if you could click it, it was blue and underlined. I told you, I see strange things, right? And so that's what I did, and I read and read and read and read, and I printed out a lot of the stuff that I read, and I put it in a binder. And I still have that binder in my home today. And in many ways, that binder is one of the biggest reasons why I'm standing up here doing what I'm doing today. It seems strange, but that binder is one of the biggest reasons of why I'm the man that God has made me to be today. A a binder? A binder. Now, you might not have a binder, but you have something unique, personal to you that God has used in your life to help you become the person that God has made you to be today. I know he has. And not just because that it's my story, but that's because we see it all throughout the scriptures, including in this awesome Christmas story. And so if you have your Bible, I would encourage you to turn with me to Luke chapter 1. That's where we're going to be today. And if you don't have a Bible, we'd love to send you home with a free Bible on your way out. Stop by the New Here area and pick up a free Bible. Uh, We just want to give that to you because we think it's so important that we are in the Word of God. And in Luke chapter 1, we read some things. We don't usually read this in the Christmas story either. This is like before the Christmas story. Luke chapter 1, it starts like this. In the six months of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. And she was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph a descendant of King David. And Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Then confused and disturbed. And hold on a second. If you are a little confused this morning, if you're a little disturbed this morning, you're like, I don't even know why I'm here. I don't really know if I believe this stuff. Like someone in my family just told me that I had to show up today. I don't know what I'm doing here. I got questions. Well, guess what? You're exactly in the same place Mary was in the Christmas story. She's confused. She's a little disturbed. She's a little like, I'm not sure what's going on here. You're exactly where God wants you to be today. And so she's a little confused, a little disturbed, and Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. (laughs) Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus, and he will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever, for his kingdom will never end. That sounds amazing. And Mary asked the angel, well, how can this happen? I'm a virgin. And maybe that's one of your questions too. You're like, I can do the Christmas season. I can open gifts. I can give gifts. I can do the lights. I can do all that stuff. But a virgin birth, that's ridiculous. 
That's one of the reasons I don't believe in Jesus, because no one can be born of a virgin. Come on. And I'd say, well, of course. Duh. There's no one had been born of a virgin ever. No one will be born of a virgin since. And so if you're asking that question today, you're not asking a new question. You might think you're smart, intelligent. You're like, I'm a logical thinker. Well, guess what? 2,000 years ago, Mary, who heard the news of the virgin birth, is asking the same question as you 2,000 years ago. And the next words out of the angel's mouth, I don't want you to miss this because it's impossible for a baby to be born to a virgin, but the next words out of the angel's mouth is what makes it possible. The angel says this, the Holy Spirit. That's the third person of the triune nature of God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The, the angel says, I know this is impossible, but God. I know this is impossible. It doesn't make sense, but God can do it. God does the impossible. God makes the impossible possible. That's what God does. And he says, how? The, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And so the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the son of God. And, and it's like he just like the angels getting all these words out. He's like saying all this stuff. And, and Mary wants to interject again and be like, hold on, hold on. And, and the angel never lets him do that. You ever make a phone call like that? You got news to share. You pick up the phone and you call him and you're talking and talking and talking and talking and don't let anybody else talk in because you don't want them to say anything. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You've done that before. That's what the angel's doing. It's like, Mary, come on, come on, come on, be quiet, be quiet. Because look, your relative Elizabeth, has become pregnant in her old age. And people used to say she was barren, but she has conceived the son and is now in her sixth month for the word of the Lord will never fail. And the translation of that verse is, I know you think this is impossible, but with God, God makes the impossible possible. And so Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then... The angel left her. That is the scary verse in the Bible. You're going to drop that truth bomb. Your life is going to change. You're going to have a baby. No one's going to believe you. And the angel leaves you. Like It's like, come on, Gabriel, take your shoes off. Sit on the couch. Stay a while. Nope. And we want God sometimes in our life to like guide us every specific step of the way. You're like, God, show me. Show me exactly who I'm supposed to date and get married to. Show me the house I'm supposed to buy. Show me the car I'm supposed to get. Show me the job I'm supposed to have. And it's like, it's great if God could do that. But like here, when God sends his one and only son into the world, he sends an angel to give the message. The, mess, the angel gives the message and leaves. Says, figure it out. <laughs> and so we're here to figure it out. We're here to figure out how God makes the impossible possible. How does he do that? I know he's done it. I want you to take 30 seconds and think about an impossible thing God has done in your life. What is an impossible thing God has done in your life? And when you got it, I want you to raise your hand. All right. So when you think about an impossible thing God has done in your life, raise your hand. Look at that. Impossible things. All impossible things. God does the impossible things. 
And you know, again, I can't read your mind. And so I would love, I would love to know what those impossible things are. And so you can take out your phone, scan that QR code, and you can write in there that impossible thing. And we would love to celebrate with you. This week, I'll get in touch with you and say, that's amazing what God has done in your life. Praise God. Like, I, I want to know. I want to know the impossible things God has done in your life. Think about it. Think about it. Maybe, maybe you never thought that you'd be able to like, love again or trust again. And then all of a sudden, God brought that person into your life. And you're like, oh, hi. Or that job that you never thought you'd get. And you never thought you'd be able to work with those people. But here you are. Or that uh, addiction that you've dealt with for so long, forever. And now it's been like a couple months or a year, or many years. It's impossible, but it's possible it's happened in your life. Or that spiritual depression that you've been under that you don't know how to dig yourself out of, but you're slowly realizing that you're having more better days than bad days. That's amazing. That's, that's, that's impossible things happening in your life because God is doing that. And sometimes we get a little overwhelmed about that, especially with the things that we've struggled with for so long. And we think, man, that's impossible. It's impossible. And like Pastor Kevin, as a result of our message today, are you really saying that if you leave this place, that my life's going to change for like a million ways, like a thousand, a hundred thousand things are going to change the moment I walk out of here? That's a little scary. It's a little overwhelming. I agree, right? Like, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying God is doing something personal doing something unique, doing something customized to your life and your situation. And so even if you leave this place and a thousand things change, it still happens one small little change at a time. One small little personalized step at a time. One small little unique thing that's unique to you at a time. And we see that in Mary's life. We see that in Mary in this part of the story, and I don't want you to miss this today. This is so powerful. It's so beautiful, that small little unique thing that God gives Mary in this Christmas story. And so if we keep reading in Luke chapter 1, it says this, a few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea to the town where Zechariah lived, and she entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. Now, Elizabeth is her relative, it's her uh, cousin, maybe aunt. She's probably a lot older. And she can't have kids. It's impossible. It's not happening. But she goes there. And she says, At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth was pregnant. She was carrying this impossible, made possible by God baby. And it, it moved, it physically did something inside of her when Mary showed up. Now, it's great to have people in your life that you can talk to. Mary goes and runs right to Elizabeth because the angel was like, hey, I know that you think this is impossible, but your relative Elizabeth is pregnant. It's impossible, but she is. Just trust me. And Mary's like, I better go. I better go see her. I got impossible pregnancy. She got impossible pregnancy. We better get together and chat. And you know, you got some people in your life that you can talk to. It's great. You can call them up and talk about sports. It's great. You can talk about the weather. You can chat about the kids. But you need some people in your life like Elizabeth who are filled with the Holy Spirit, 
who you can talk to about spiritual things, deep things, real things in your heart and soul and mind that go beyond just the surface level conversation. That's what Mary found in Elizabeth. And so then look what Elizabeth does. She, she gave a glad cry and exclaimed, Mary, oh, God has blessed you above all women and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you have believed that the Lord would do what he said. I love that Mary had a specific, unique person to go and talk to, to share this big, life-changing, transforming news with. And they stayed. She stayed for three months and talked and chatted and all this good stuff. But I want you to visualize this. I want you to picture this. Mary gets the big news from the angel that you're pregnant. She says, no way. And she gets her stuff as fast as she possibly can. And she runs to her relative Elizabeth, whom the angel said is also pregnant with an impossible pregnancy. And Mary wants to see for herself. And so she's running and running and comes up over the hill and she gets to the front door and she sees the door. She opens the door. She looks inside and what does she see? A big baby bump. And she can see with her own two eyes that, oh my goodness, God has a baby inside that belly. It's true. It's true. I see it for myself. It's true. And the reason, now I'm not a, I've never been pregnant before, I'm not an expert, but like when you first get pregnant, you, you can't see nothing, right? There's a baby in you, you think, but you don't know. But after three or four months, you start to, you start to, start to know, right? In five months... You, you know, and six months, oh man, right? There is a baby inside that belly. You can tell. And when Mary goes to see Elizabeth and runs up the door and opens the door and opens the door, she looks inside and sees six-month pregnant Elizabeth. She's like, I, I don't know if I have a baby inside of me. I can't tell. I don't know. The angel just said something crazy. I don't really understand. But I see in her something impossible that was made possible by God. And if God can do something impossible that he made possible in her, he can do that in me. He can do that in me. And he is doing that in me. Something, something's happening. Something's cooking. Something's going on in my life that I'm believing God's going to do something impossible with. And God could have waited and given that news to Mary at any point in time, couldn't she? God could have told Mary like when Elizabeth was like one day pregnant or could have told Mary when Elizabeth was, you know, had the baby already. I don't know, whatever. But God specifically knew that Mary needed to see for herself that you know what, this impossible pregnancy is possible. And so God waited until how many months of Elizabeth's pregnancy? Six months. God waited six months 
to tell Mary the news. And God's got something unique for you too. If God's going to wait six months to share the news with Mary, oh, he's been waiting in your life until maybe today to share something important with you. He's done something unique, something special in your life that he's just got you at the right time, at the unique time that's gotten you to be the person that God has created you to be. God waited six months to tell Mary the news. He's got something unique for you too. And this was all throughout Jesus's life, all throughout, even up until his death, Jesus, when he died on the cross, he, he didn't die because like he did anything wrong. He didn't do anything wrong. He was perfect. He died to pay the penalty for your sin. That's a Bible word. It just simply means that you've done something wrong, that you've fallen short of God's perfect standard. Of course, we all have. And so when Jesus died, he didn't die for himself. He died for who? For you and for me. And my friends, they, they wrote a song, and it, was, it's, it goes a little like this, like, don't you think that I saw your face? This is talking from Jesus' perspective on the cross. Don't you think that I saw your face as I was hanging there, my child? And don't you think that I looked into your eyes all the while? Because whose face did you think that I was looking into when I was hanging on the cross? And whose life did you think was passing right before my eyes as I paid your cost? And I looked into your eyes and showed you of my love for you to live. I would die for you to live. I would die for you to live. Jesus died for you personally. He's got something so special, so unique, so customized to your life in your situation. And today, I just invite you to believe it to recognize what God has done for you on the cross, his death, his burial, his resurrection, and he's offering you the free gift of eternal life, of salvation, forgiveness, eternity with him forever, a right relationship with God that you can just receive because of what Jesus did for you. He saw you, he knows you, and he loves you so, so much. And so in just a second, we're going to do something special that many place, people and churches do around the world called a candlelight kind of thing. But here at Connect Us Church, we do it a little bit differently, a little bit uniquely. And uh, you'll see that we have some lights down here and that we have some lights in the middle. These are battery-operated lights. And so uh, they're also a little bit finicky. So let me just tell you, right? So if, if for some reason, when you go to turn them on and they don't turn on, the batteries are probably jostled around a little bit. You might have to flip it over, open it up, put the batteries in. But if not, just grab a new one. Or we'll work together and we'll all get one. No work. I, pro I trust that they will work. <laughs> but what's going to happen is you're going to stand up and you're going to come down and you're going to grab one of these lights. And then we're going to stand and form a big circle around this whole space. And so um, at that moment, there's a lot of instructions, so just pay attention. At that moment, I'm going to shut all the lights off in here. It's going to get pitch black, okay? That's your cue 
to turn your light on. There's a little button that looks like a heart. It's on the opposite side of the Connect Us Church logo. Press that button. We're going to all be standing around in a big circle holding our lights, and then we're going to sing Silent Night. All right? So just to recap, in just a second, you're going to stand up. You're going to move, find a light, and stand in a big circle. There's going to be a video and a song going on at the time. And then all the lights will shut off. That's when you turn your light on. And then we're going to sing Silent Night. Sound good? All right. Let's go.